Good deal. Thank you. Good to see you this morning. Everybody good? Well, fantastic. Wonderful. First thing that uh, I want us to do is uh, pray for a very special family in our church. I think most of y'all are aware of the fact that uh, Brother Ron Rogers was involved in just a horrific motorcycle accident a week ago Saturday. It broke his neck. Uh, They air flighted him to northwest Arkansas. He went uh, through surgery and uh, this past week has stayed in ICU and uh, is in rehab. Uh, we got a, a note from Sandy, and I want to read that note, and then we're going to pray for Ron, okay? Dear Cavanaugh Church, Ron and I want to thank you, our dear church family, for lifting us up in prayer. We serve an awesome God, and we know that he is able to do exceedingly above all things that we ask or even imagine. We covet your continued prayers for healing and for God's wisdom and strength as we travel the road ahead. We are expecting a miracle. And then notice what she said, hold your loved ones tight and tell them that you love them. Amen. Uh, I don't know if uh, Ron and Sandy or any of the family are watching live stream, but guys, I want you to know that we love you and we're certainly praying. Uh, I, I find myself praying all through the day for Ron and for complete healing. And so right now, will you specifically join me and let's pray together and ask God to do a work in, in Ron's life. Heavenly Father, I do love you. I thank you for this church family. And dear Lord, that's what we are. We are the family of faith here at Kavanaugh Church, our church for life. And, and dear Lord, we're, we're, today we're missing Ron and Sandy. And dear Lord, our hearts are, are just up there with, with Ron and we're praying for his healing. I pray, dear God, that you would bless the medical staff. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just use them to, to help Ron. But dear Jesus, you are the great physician. And we know that all healing and all power is in you. And so it is in the name, the powerful name of Jesus, that we pray right now that Ron be totally healed. And I pray, dear Lord, that you would just uh, bring a uh, peace to Ron and Sandy. Let them know, dear God, that you're in control and that uh, we as a church family love them and are praying for them. And we do it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. You keep praying for Ron every single day. Well, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, today I'm going to start a new series uh, entitled All In. But before I do that, I want to have a little video clip I want you to see because you know what? Uh, you, get, you get so bored with me. You need a, you need a video right now to get, get with it, right? So watch this little video clip with me. time is right now. Our time is now. So you know when March 15th is, don't you? (laughs) It's next Sunday. It's going to be an historic day for Kavanaugh Church. So please be here. Uh, It's going to be a totally different service than what we normally have. Uh, It's all going to be shortened. 
Hey, hey Ben, you're, you need to come just to see that, right? Uh, and we're going to launch It's Our Turn. It's a capital stewardship campaign that's going to help us raise the funds to build the new building that next Sunday we're going to break ground on, all right? So uh, we're going to have a shortened worship service, have a free gift for you that day next Sunday, and then together we're going to go out there and we're actually going to turn some soil because you know what? It's our time. It's our turn. It's right now, and we're going to do something for the kingdom of God, and I'm excited about that. So along with that, beginning today and then over the next four Sundays, I'm going to be preaching a series that I've entitled All In, in which we're going to look at five Old Testament characters who went all in when it came to the mission that God had called them to. And I'm preaching this with the hopes of you considering what it looks like for you to be all in when it comes to the mission of God in your life. And I want to explain to you why I believe that this is a very strategic time in the life of our church. Not, not one that is all too different than the times of each of these five biblical characters that we're going to look at over the next few weeks. So that throughout this series, I'm going to be painting a picture for you of our church, of where we've been and where we are right now, and where we're going through the grace and the power of God in hopes that you're going to be all in for this mission. And guys, I want to do it right up front. I'm going to lay all my cards right out front on the table. We have some incredibly committed and generous people at Kavanaugh Church. I would say by and large, most of the people who come to church here are all in. They're fully committed. They've gone all the way in on the mission of God. But there are a few who, who maybe are just only halfway in or maybe just sort of in in regards to the mission of God. You say, well, preacher, what are you talking about? I mean, what are you trying to say? Well, let me put it like this. How many of you would enjoy a, just a good hearty breakfast of eggs and bacon? Don't you love eggs and bacon? Come on, raise your hand. We all, everybody loves bacon, don't they? I'll tell you what, I'm on this crazy diet. I started in January, and I can't eat bacon, and it's killing me. So every morning I eat eggs, and I'm having to eat turkey sausage. I love turkey sausage. Not as much as I love bacon, man. Woo, bring the bacon on, right? It's making me hungry right now thinking about it. Eggs and bacon. If you had a big breakfast of eggs and bacon, you need to understand that both the chicken and the pig have contributed to your breakfast. But in a completely different way. The chicken has only made a contribution. Whereas the pig is all in. Okay? And so I ask you today, which describes you? Are you all in? And the first biblical character we're going to look at who is all in is this man by the name of Noah. His story is found in Genesis chapter 6. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
Now, that is a bleak picture. That, that is a bad picture of, of the degraded mind and heart and soul of mankind. As God looked down from heaven, all he saw was evil. All he saw was wickedness. All he saw was displacement. And, and so the result of that is the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. I can't think of a sadder verse in the entire Bible, can you? That the God who spoke into existence this entire universe and breathed into man life, he's now sorry that he made man. He regretted that he made man. So here's what the Lord said. I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. And you know what? God always keeps his word. He did that very thing by sending a flood that annihilated every living thing on planet earth. And, and by the way, I've always been amazed how many little kids' bedtime storybooks are written about Noah? I mean, just think about this for a second. Here we got these cute little pictures in this little book that we read to our kids at night about this man named Noah, and he was building an ark, and then all these animals came into the boat. They came two by two, little fuzzy bunnies and critters of all kinds. And it's just kind of a good, feel, warm story of Noah and the ark. Let me tell you, there's nothing that, that feels good about this story at all. Let me tell you, this is a horrendous, terrifying story based on the judgment of Almighty God. There was massive destruction. There were dead bodies everywhere. Plus the fact that Noah had to spend several months in a wooden box with stinking animals. Dude, let me tell you, there's nothing fun at all about that. Can you think of anything fun about that? This is a horrific story. But you know what? There's grace right in the middle of it. In, in, in all of the darkness and bleakness of this story, there's a Bradford pear tree. It's right here in verse number 8. But Noah found what? Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Everything pivots on that verse. Here was salvation. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So what I want to do over the next few minutes is share with you four lessons or four points that we find from the life of Noah. And then after we look at these four characteristics of Noah, I want to apply the same four points to us as real people in this real church today. So it's four points doubled. Not eight points, just four points doubled, all right? So here we go with the first thing about Noah. And it's right here in this verse. Noah found what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. What was so special about Noah? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He, he was just a simple man, an ordinary man, who happened to hear the voice of God, and he responded to God's command. That was the only thing special about him. Verse number 9 tells us that he was a righteous man. Why was he righteous? Well, he responded correctly when God called his name. 
And when God told him to do something, he took that step across the trust line that we've been talking about for the past four weeks. He trusted God. He heard the voice of God, and he trusted God. And because of that, God's grace fell on him. That's it. Point number one over. Number two, point two. Noah was chosen to be the channel of salvation to other people. You see, Noah was chosen not only for himself to be saved, but he was chosen to build an ark that would become the vehicle of God's grace and salvation to whoever would believe, whoever would listen. Now, that ended up only being his family. But the point is that God's grace toward him was not intended just for Noah. It was for everyone. And God was using Noah as a vehicle, as a messenger, as a channel to release his grace to mankind. Are you getting the picture? So God's grace landed on old Noah. And now God wanted to use Noah to spread that grace to mankind. Number three, Noah had to dramatically rearrange his priorities in light of God's grace that rested on him. You, you see, after this announcement, after, after God spoke to Noah and said, Noah, I'm going to destroy the world and I'm going to save it through you, he, he couldn't go on with life as normal. Because at that moment when God spoke to Noah and called him, everything changed. When grace came on Noah's life, he was a changed man. I want you to try to imagine with me the difference from this point on about how Noah saw his world. Every person that he saw after that day that God's grace fell on his life, Noah realized that person is headed for destruction. When Noah turned around and looked at the house that he had built with his own hands, and it probably took him several years to build it, he realized, you know what, I'm not going to be living in that house anymore. It's about to be annihilated. When Noah stepped back and looked at his bank account and his boat and his golf clubs and his guns and all the other things that he had, well, he didn't have guns, but his bow and arrow, his, his pointy thing. When he saw all his stuff that he had accumulated and called his own, he knew he was about to lose all of that. It was only temporary. And let me tell you, everybody he knew, everybody he knew, including family members and neighbors and friends and acquaintances, he knew that they, one of two things was about to happen to them. Either, number one, they were going to be saved on this boat he was building, or number two, they were going to be destroyed in the flood. And because of that knowledge, it changed everything about his life. His priorities all of a sudden got rearranged, not just slightly, but radically. And then point number four, I tell you what, Noah was grateful. You fast forward this story to the very end, after the flood is finished, after the waters have receded, and Noah gets off of that boat, the very first thing that Noah does is offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God. And here's something really interesting to note here. This was the first thing that Noah does, which is not a direct command or a direct response to a command that God has given. 
I mean, throughout this story, what characterizes Noah and God's relationship was this. God would command and Noah would obey. God would say, do this, and Noah did this. God said, Noah, build an ark, and so he built the ark. God said, Noah, gather the animals. He gathered the animals. God said, shut the door. He shut the door. When the dove came back, or didn't come back, he said, open the door, and he opened the door. Everything that had been done so far in this story was in direct response to a command from God. The sacrifice, however, was Noah's idea. God didn't tell him to do this. He just did it. It was his initiative. He did it out of his own volition. He was so grateful for what God had done in saving him and his family. His response was spontaneous worship to God. Wow. That's the way we are to live life. God, I'm so thankful that your grace has rested on me. Thank you for saving my life. Thank you for saving my family. And as an expression of that, I'm going to give you this sacrifice. Wow. Amen. There it is, four points about Noah. He found grace from God. He was chosen to be a channel of salvation to other people. Once he got that news, it radically changed every priority in his life. And because of all that, Noah was grateful. Now times two. Because those same points apply to every one of us in this room. And they apply to our church. Church, we are in a similar place to Noah. In fact, let me say it like this. We are living in the days of Noah. Come on, think about that. We're living in the days of Noah. Remember Genesis chapter 6? God looked down from heaven and he couldn't believe what he was seeing. It nauseated him. People were continually evil. They were wicked. They not only thought evil thoughts, they did evil things. They said evil things. They were all about evil. And God got to the point where he couldn't take it anymore. And he was sorry that he made mankind. And he destroyed mankind. Open the newspaper. Read the web. I don't know that this place could get any more wicked than it is right now. I mean, we are living in the days of Noah. I could preach a sermon on that. A whole series of sermons on that. And let me tell you, our God is a God of grace. We're living in an age of grace. But the Bible tells us, we've read the end of the book. We know this grace is coming to an end. There is going to be a time soon when God says, enough is enough. And he's coming back to destroy this world. And all of those who are outside the safety of the ark are going to be doomed into eternal damnation. We're living in the days of Noah. So because of that, Kavanaugh Church, let me tell you, we have been selected for grace. Just like Noah was selected for grace, Kavanaugh Church has been selected for grace. I, man, I, I don't know why. I, let me tell you, I don't know why, but the evidence of God's grace has settled on Kavanaugh Church. And I'm so thankful for that. I mean, we just look around. You may not realize this. You may not fully realize this, but we are a blessed church. I mean, my goodness, since 1962, when this church was established, God's blessings have been poured out upon us. 
in an amazing way. When there are 10 churches every single day in America that close their doors and shut down because of a lack of life and vitality in their church, we're graced by God. Because for 58 years, God has been blessing us and we have been growing. What was special about Noah? Nothing. He just listened to God and trusted God and obeyed God. What's special about us? <laughs> Nothing. I mean, I love you guys. You're my family. 22 years I've been here. I'd, I'd do anything in the world for you, and I love you so much. Let's sit down and have coffee or Coke, and I'll tell you how great you are, because I really believe you're great, and I love you with all my heart. But you know what? There's nothing special about us. And as a church, even though it, it, it kind of blows my mind, and, and, and you know, and I'm not bragging, I'm not bragging, but God has blessed this church. I mean, we, we are a free will Baptist church, and, and, and let me just say this within the context of who we are as a free will Baptist church. It's not a huge denomination. Uh, there's about 250,000 free will Baptists uh, across the planet. But did you know that Kavanaugh Church is one of the largest churches there is in free will Baptist? And we have been for years. I mean, why is that? Why, why has God chosen to bless us? Why, why in the world are we the top giving free will Baptist church in our entire denomination? We, you give more money to free will Baptist than any other church in the denomination. Why is that? Out of this church, we have sent missionaries and pastors who've, who've gone everywhere preaching the gospel. Why is that? What, what is special about it? Well, there's nothing special about us. We're, we're just like Noah. When God tells us to do something, we trust him and we obey him. I mean, that is the only explanation that I can come up with to tell you why God has blessed us so much through the years. It's because every generation in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and even in the 2000s, we have had a nucleus of a group of people who when God said do something, we trusted him and we just did it. We believe that Jesus came to save sinners. And we believe that Jesus wants people to be saved. We believe that Jesus does not want anyone to perish, but that all come to eternal life. And so we just do what he tells us to do. And, and church, let me be honest with you and tell you, I think as your pastor, we have only right now begun to scratch the surface of what God is going to do through the ministry of this church. Hmm. Number two, Kavanaugh Church has been given a very clear mission. Remember, oh Noah, he, he, he was to be the channel of salvation. And like Noah, we have a very similar mission. Jesus summarized our mission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's the Great Commission. A great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment is going to build a great church. And we're committed to that. 
We realize this is our mission. And so how do we flesh this mission out? Well, it's fleshed out, first of all, in our families. Because I believe every one of you in this room, more than anything else, you want your family, everyone in your family, to know Jesus, to be saved, to have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, to know that when they die, they're going to go to heaven and spend eternity there. You want your family members involved in a good Bible-believing church where they can be discipled and grow in Jesus Christ and become the Christian God has called them to be. We love our families. So uh, let me ask you, how many of you this morning, raising your hand, you, you want that? You want everyone in your family to know Jesus? We agree, 100%. We are committed to winning our family to Jesus Christ. And we do that here at Cavanaugh Church. That's why we make such a big investment in our kids. We love our kids. That's why we invest in our teenagers and our college-age kids. We love them. We don't forget about the adults. There are plenty of ministries for them. We want everyone to grow in their faith in Jesus Christ. We love our families. But let's say everyone in your family has been one to Christ, and they are on the ark. They are in the church. What then? Well, you know what? Our focus cannot just be inward. I tell you all the time, if all you do is, is come here and sit in that cushioned pew and soak up the words that I'm saying, if that's all you do, if you just sit and soak, sooner or later you're going to sour. And when something sours, they start stinking. So we've got to go beyond the walls of this church. That's why we understand that our mission is not just to win our families to Jesus Christ. It is to win the nations to Jesus Christ. Our God is a global God. Jesus didn't die just for Americans. He, had died, he died for the whole world. For God so loved what? The world that he gave his only begotten son. And that's why Kavanaugh Church is so heavily involved in international missions. People ask me all the time, preacher, why in the world do we give every single Wednesday night offering to missions? I mean, isn't that excessive? I've had people ask me, why do we give 1% of our budget to foreign missions? What, why do we give all that money to missions? And then, let me tell you, the first time we did this, I heard it. Let me tell you, I heard it. When we gave our entire Sunday morning offering to world missions, and we just operated on 51 weeks of offering instead of 52, people said, you can't do that. We're, we're going to go bankrupt. It, it ain't going to work. You can't give a whole offering to missions. Why not? Yeah, you can. We've done it for three years running now, and we've not missed it a bit. You know why we do that? People ask me, all, let me get ahead of myself. You know, people have asked me, preacher, why in the world do we keep having missionaries come here to our church telling their story, asking for money? I'll answer all those questions by saying it's because we believe in missions. We believe that everyone deserves the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We believe that our God is a global God, and he died for the sins of the world, and he wants people to be saved. And we want you to have a global mindset 
It's not just about what happens within the four walls of this church. It's what happens in our world. And if you want our world to be a better place, you need to be involved in missions because Jesus is the only one who can make this world a better place, and he does it one person at a time. Amen. Man, I'm getting fired up, boy. Let me me take that. I'm getting, I'm ready now. We not only have a high priority in our mission to win our families to Jesus and our nation to Jesus, but number three, our neighborhood. God has strategically placed Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church in Fort Smith and the River Valley at 2825 Grinnell at this particular time in history so that we could make a difference in our neighborhood. We care about the River Valley. We care about Fort Smith and what happens here. We are committed to the people of this area. That's why we have a food bank, and every Monday we hand out free food to people. It's cost us. It's not costing them anything, but we do it out of love because we want to meet their needs and and share with them the good news of Jesus. That's why we are involved in Hope Campus downtown, why we have a hand in the young home, why we do events like Adopt-A-Family. It's because we love the River Valley. And we want our neighbors to be saved and enjoy the joy that we have here at Kavanaugh Church. And like Noah, we've been given something to build. Hmm. Let me say that again to catch your attention. Like Noah, we've been given something to build. Noah was told to build a what? An ark out of gopher wood. When Jesus left planet earth, you know what he said to his followers? Build my church. And that commission was not only for them, it is for us today. You'll see this throughout this entire series that I'm going to preach. But whenever God wants to do something on earth, he gives people something very specific that he wants them to build. He didn't say to Noah, Noah, I'm about to destroy the world with a flood. Do the best you can. I hope you make it. No. He said, I want you to build an ark out of gopher wood. And he gave him a specific set of blueprints to do it. Now, I I want you to back up and, and listen to this. This is really important. The church... Our church, let's get specific, Kavanaugh Church is the New Testament equivalent to Noah's Ark. Come on. The church is the Ark. Jesus said, you will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, now I, I, I really don't want to overstate this, but yes, let me overstate this. God only left one institution on planet earth. He only established one thing, and that is the living church of God. I mean, you could really summarize the apostles' approach in Acts is... Going from strategic city to strategic city, planting churches. They didn't plant soup kitchens or orphanages or hospitals. By the way, I'll step over here and say in a parenthesis, the church has done all of those things. 
All the apostles did is they went around and they established churches. Why? Because the church is the bride of Christ. Jesus died for the church. God loves the church. So we, Kavanaugh Church, we are the ark of safety in our dying world. You know what an ark is? It's a boat. So let me put it in perspective for us today. In the New Testament, the local church is, is a boat. What kind of boat are we? Well, I think the boat that best describes us is an aircraft carrier. Okay? Think about it. We're an aircraft carrier. The battles an aircraft carrier wages are not supposed to happen on the boat. If, if they are fighting on the aircraft carrier, something radically wrong has happened. There's a problem. Note the battles happen out there, away from the aircraft carrier. Planes are equipped and fueled up and maintained and are ready to fight on the aircraft carrier. But the battle doesn't happen there. The planes are sent out. And that's what the church does. We equip people for ministry. People are one to Christ. They come to the church and are trained. And then we send them back out into their world to make an impact for Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, how do you see your church? Well, a lot of people see the church as a cruise ship. I want it easy, preacher. Let me, let me just sit back here and bark out some orders. I'm on a cruise ship. Give me a little bell to ring so I can call a staff member over here to bring me a sandwich and some chips. He said, this is not a cruise ship. This is not a country club. It's not a party boat. We're not a party barge. Now, good things happen at church. There's celebration at church, but we ain't no party barge. And God forbid, some people look at church as a battleship because that's all they see at church. Every time they walk in the doors, they're thinking, okay, I wonder who's going to get ticked off today. I wonder who's going to get mad today. I wonder who's going to say something to somebody today that that person doesn't like. And they storm out the building and say, I ain't ever coming back to that church again. Because they have spent a lifetime in a church that all they do in that church is fight and bicker and argue. It's not what the church of God is all about. It's not a battleship. No, what are we? We're an aircraft carrier where people are one to Jesus Christ. They're brought in and trained here and supported here and taught here. And then they go back out into the real world and wage war on the devil. Kavanaugh Church, like Noah, we know that God's selection of us was not simply to save us but to make us a channel of salvation to our community. We are not to build a cruise ship for Christians. We are to build an aircraft carrier that takes the good news of the gospel to our families, to our neighbors, and to the regions beyond. I ain't going on until there's more amens than that. Because that's our mission. 
Number three, this mission requires a radical reorientation of our mindset and priorities. Noah's adjustment was not just a slight adjustment. It, It brought a whole new way of thinking into his world. The mission that Jesus has called us to is not a slight adjustment to our lifestyles. No, it is a whole new way of looking at our world. And and get this, listen to me. Our mission is urgent. Paul in Romans chapter 9 said that I'm telling you, he said, I am in anguish every day as I look on people who are lost without Jesus. Why? Because Paul saw his world just the way Noah saw his world. i got to back up and say, when you look out your door, do you see the world that way? I know you say you believe the gospel, but do you really believe the gospel? Does the urgency that dominates your lifestyle demonstrate that you really believe the gospel? I know that your mouth says you believe the gospel. But what do your priorities say? What does your lifestyle say? What does your giving say that you believe? Kavanaugh, the the urgency of this mission demands, it demands that as a church, we don't just huddle up in some dark hallway of this church and hold hands and sing kumbaya till Jesus comes back, while the rest of the world goes to hell in a handbag. It's more urgent than that. Every second I'm talking, people are dying. Without Jesus, without hope, without the truth of the gospel. And you know what? They're splitting hell wide open. Jesus shed his blood and offered us the power of his spirit so that we could make a difference in the world in which we live in, so that we could reverse the tide, so that we could see the salvation of Jesus extended to our families, to the people we work with, to those we go to school with, to our neighbors, to the regions beyond. And you know what? We do all of it with a grateful heart. Noah was so grateful for God's salvation that the first thing he did when he got off that boat was offer a sacrifice of his own volition. You see, this story is not just about Noah and his world at that day and the ark of safety. This is a story that points to Jesus. This story, like every story we're going to look at over the next four weeks, points to Jesus. Because, listen, church, Jesus is the ark we are pulled into. Wrap your heads around that. Jesus is the ark that we are pulled into that keeps us safe from the destroying reign of Almighty God. Jesus drowned in the sea of God's wrath so that we could be lifted up in safety out of it. When Noah got off the boat... He started a new creation. Let me tell you, when Jesus rose from the dead, he started a new creation. Not just of new families, but of new kinds of people. Those whose hearts had been transformed by the mighty grace of Jesus' power. If Noah was grateful for the salvation provided on the ark, 
How much more should we, who have been saved from God's wrath by Jesus, our ark, spontaneously erupt in worship to him for his grace and goodness on our life? Dude, I'm telling you, it may be gloomy outside. Your, your life may be the pits. One bad thing might be happening after another bad thing. But you know what? Jesus loves you and his grace has saved you. So just take that frown off your face and give praise to Jesus for what he's done and how good he's been. You know, in, in light of all these things that I've been trying to share with you, and I'm going to share with you over the next few weeks, I, I want to introduce you to this initiative that I'm calling All In. In light of the fact that our mission is urgent, in light of the fact that God has graced Kavanaugh Church, and our primary vehicle to accomplish the mission of God is in Kavanaugh Church, I want you to be all in. All in to God's mission and all in to Kavanaugh Church. So, so here's my question. Are you all in? Are you all in? Stand, stand here with me just for a moment. By Noah, brother Noah. And we're in his, we're in his doorway. We're, we're looking out over his neighborhood. And, and what does Noah see? Well, well he sees his, his neighborhood. He, he sees his, his friends that he's lived by and with for all his life. He, he sees his community. He, he sees them out in the front yard playing with their own little kids. He watches them as they go to work. And Noah realizes for the first time, you know what? If something radical doesn't happen in their life, they're going to die. They're going to be destroyed. I have the means of safety, but for them, if I don't tell them, and I want you to think just for a moment how horrendous all of this was. Just think about it. When, when the rain actually started falling and it started growing on earth, the, the sick and the elderly would be the first who died. And if you were young and strong, maybe you could climb up on top of a mountain. And from that mountain, you could climb on the top of the tree. But that's as far as you could go. And the only thing worse than the screams of those who were going under for the third time was the silence that followed. Hmm. This is not pleasant to think about, is it? And some of you are saying, Preacher, I just wish you'd shut up. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to think about this. Why? Because we Americans love comfort. And instead of hearing this, you would rather hear me preach a you're okay, I'm okay sermon. In fact, you would rather me preach a power of positive thinking sermon. In, in fact, you would rather hear me preach it's a wonderful life sermon, wouldn't you? And a lot of people would, would prefer that I stand up here and say, you know what? There is no reason for urgency. That there, There's really nothing that, that you need to be worrying about. You would like for me to stand here and tell you that with a little more time and the right person in political office that everything is going to be okay. But I can't tell you that because I've read the end of the book. And if this is a true gospel, then we are on a real mission. 
that demands urgent attention. And it demands radical commitment. Why? Because people's lives are depending on it. Their eternity is dependent upon it. And how in the world can we as the people of God just be halfway in? Or sort of in? I'll remind you of this later on when I preach some other sermons. But you know what Jesus thinks about that, don't you? He talked about it in the book of Revelation. He said, I would rather you be hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, riding the fence, halfway in, halfway out, he said, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. You can't do it for very long, folks. This book won't allow it. The Holy Spirit demands it. You can't have one leg in the boat and one leg out of the boat. How do I know that? I've tried it before. And I had a brother-in-law who gunned it. The, the leg that was in the water got caught in the water and it just ripped the rest of me into the water with it. It's all or nothing. So, are you all in? I asked the question for the last time today. Are you all in? Are you ready to cross? Remember, we talked about the trust line over the last four weeks. Are you ready to cross that trust line and simply obey God? What's special about us? Nothing. Other than the fact that when God has told us before, I want you to step out in faith and do this, we as a church have done it. Can I tell you something? The moment we step back and say, no, God, that's, that's too big. That's going to cost too much. We can't do it. It's not our turn. We're going to die as a church. God's grace that's on us right now will be withdrawn. You say, well, does that happen? Yes, it does happen. Dude, I don't know about you, but I don't want that to happen here. So let's keep trusting. Let's keep obeying. Let's make sure, and you're the only one who can do this, let's make sure we're all in. And Heavenly Father, I pray that we